Let's set the scene. You're walking down your university mall, the main corridor, whatever it may be at your school, and you see some tents. You're a student, so you love free stuff, and this one tent is giving out free pizza if you sign up for something. Lo and behold, you've just signed up for your first credit card just so that you can get a free slice of pizza. Now, this may not have happened to you specifically, but back in the day, many credit card companies used a tactic like this to get students to sign up for credit cards, and without knowing what these cards were and how they worked, many students would rack up massive amounts of debt. Since then, regulations have been passed and companies aren't supposed to be doing this. Now, even though regulations are in place, it can still be incredibly easy to get a credit card as a student. But we're Gen Z, and we're definitely smarter than all the boomers who fell for that original trap. So if you want to turn that credit card trap into a way to earn free things that are much better than a slice of pizza, stay tuned to the rest of this episode where we learn the cheat code to credit cards. But for those of you who are new to the show, my name is Justin Wynn, and this is Declassified College. Choose your fighter. Fight. Welcome to Declassified College, where I, Justin Wynn, share my cheat codes to college and make sure that you're ready for the real world by the time that you walk across that stage. Make sure you subscribe, not just for you, not just for me, but for the millions of college students around the world to find this podcast. Now, you don't want to let down millions of students, do you? Personal finances are near and dear to my heart, partly since I graduated with a finance degree, but mainly it's because money has always been fascinating. The concept of credit cards is interesting though, because on the surface, it seems like free money, but when you dive into it, it is far from that, especially if you use them in the wrong way. Even though I have a few credit cards and think I'm in a solid place when it comes to my credit score, how much cashback I've earned, and how I've strategically used some of my points, I wanted to bring on two credit card experts to share their insights of what is the best way to use a credit card as a student. Before we hear from Lee Huffman from Bald Thoughts, I wanted to share my mindset when it comes to credit cards. I treat mine as a debit card, and if I can't pay it off, I don't put it on it. This is important as we dive into how these thin pieces of plastics work and how you can make them work for you. So the first topic I wanted to cover is what are annual fees and why do I have to pay someone to spend my own money? Banks charge annual fees on their credit cards to help pay for the benefits that you're offered on the card. For example, I have several different travel cards and with those cards in exchange for paying the annual fee, maybe I get elite status with that airline or hotel I'll get like free check bags or a free hotel night, things of that nature. So it uh, basically helps pay for the benefits. Now, Lee is a credit card master. He hosts the blog Ball Thoughts, where he teaches people how to travel more, spend less, and live better through the power of airline miles and hotel rewards. He even has his own podcast called We Travel There where he brings on locals to share some hidden treasures in their city. And if you want to travel to visit some of those hidden gems by using your credit card benefits, you're going to have to pay up front. But if you use those benefits the right way, they can greatly offset the amount that you have to pay each year. Okay, so annual fees, check. What about interest rates? What are they and why are they so high? My student loans are only like 6%. Banks charge customers money because they have to actually pay interest to uh, either people, places that they borrow money from, 
or the depositors that actually have deposits on account. And so what happens is that if you carry a balance from month to month, you'll end up paying interest to the bank in exchange for being able to use that money. So uh, the more that you can keep your credit clean, the lower the interest that most banks will charge you. So if you get a low credit score, you're going to pay a high interest. If you keep your credit score high, you're going to be charged a lower amount of interest. An analogy that I like to use when describing credit scores is imagine that you want to borrow your friend's Xbox. The first time he says, yeah, sure, because he trusts you. That would be the same as you having a high credit score. Now, let's say when you borrow it, you don't return it in time, so his trust in you decreases. That would be the equivalent of having a lower credit score. I'm sure the next time you ask to borrow his Xbox, he's going to be a little wary of you. That's exactly how banks feel when it comes to you and your credit score. The bank is your friend, Xbox is the money, and the credit score is a trust that your friend has in you to give him back his Xbox in time. Okay, so higher credit scores equals lower interest rates. How do I get a higher credit score? So you absolutely want to, in my opinion, open a credit card and put a small amount at least on that every month and then pay off your balance in full. This will help you build credit that will be very important for you if you want to go and rent an apartment after college or if you want to um, buy a house or get a car loan, those types of things. That was Scott Trench, who is the founder of Bigger Pockets, which is a community that helps motivate and move you to financial success. They have blogs, podcasts, and conferences that all revolve around personal finances, and that's exactly why I wanted to get Scott's insights on this. Want a car? You need good credit. Want a house? You need good credit. Want an iTunes Top 100 podcast? You don't need good credit, but you do need all of your amazing listeners to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes so that we can share these cheat codes to thousands of other students around the world. But all jokes aside, credit is important. And the easiest way to get good credit is to make sure that you pay off your balances each month. That, again, is why I treat my credit card like my debit card. I only spend what I have. Scott agrees with me. Instead of buying money with your bank account or cash, you put money on your credit card. And then after a a period of time, usually one or two months, that balance that you put on your credit card is due in full. So if I spend $1,000 on my credit card, in a month or two, I'll have to pay the credit card company $1,000 right? So you should really think about it as cash, frankly, in my opinion. You should never carry a credit card balance. If you carry a credit card balance, if you don't pay it off the month or the the second month following it, whatever your due date is in your credit card, you will begin to accrue interest. And credit card interest is extremely high, often 15% plus, 20% plus. It is a very big financial mistake to not pay your your credit card balance off in full every month and to accumulate credit card debt. It is a huge hole that a lot of people have dug themselves out of, and we hear countless stories of that. So do not put more money on your credit card than you can pay off. Now with credit cards, not all are created equal. There are basically two categories. The first is cash back, where depending on the card that you have, you will earn a certain percentage that you spend back in cash. For example, if you have a 5% cash back card and you spend $100, you'll get $5 in return. The second category is travel rewards cards. This is where when you spend money, you get back a certain amount of points, and those points can be redeemed for anything from flights to hotel rooms and many things in between. It is a little bit complicated, and you definitely need to do your own research in both of those categories, especially as your spending increases, but here are Lee's recommendations for the best credit cards for students. There are several really good credit cards that don't have an annual fee and that actually earn rewards on all your spending. So the first one is the Chase Freedom Student. That one's really good. 
The Journey Student Credit Card from Capital One, uh, Discover It uh, Student Cash Back, and the Bank of America Travel Rewards uh, Credit Card for Students. All four of those earn rewards on your spending. They don't have annual fees. And a lot of them, after a certain period of time, they'll automatically review your, your account with them. So then that way, they'll look to increase your credit limit, be able to give you some additional rewards and things of that nature. So all four of those are pretty good choices. I want to focus on cash back because unless you're planning on traveling more than four times in the next year, it can be really hard to utilize a travel card. I personally have the Discover, Chase Freedom, and Chase Freedom Unlimited, and it's been great to be able to see my cash back grow over the past few years. Once I begin to travel some more, I'll step into the big leagues of travel rewards cards and be able to get on all of those free flights. Even though Travel Rewards is a big shiny object here, Lee will explain why cashback is important too. A lot of this depends on what type of card you have and the rewards that it earns. If some card only gives you, say, 1% cashback or one point for every dollar that you spend, it's going to take a little while to earn points, right? But some cards, they give you three or four times points uh, for spending on on food or uh, dining, groceries, etc., you'll get there much quicker. So it all depends on finding the right card that matches how you spend and and how much you're actually going to be able to spend. Quite honestly, a lot of the college students don't spend enough to be able to earn a free trip every six months or maybe every semester. But over time, it does add up. And that's why it makes sense to have a cashback card instead. Because even if you only have, say if you only have 10,000 miles, but the flight is 25,000 miles, you can't redeem for the flight. But if you have $200 in cashback and the flight is $400, you can use your cash to be able to pay for half the flight, and then you got to pull out of your pocket for the other half. So cash back is much better uh, in terms of flexibility and being able to do with whatever you need uh, with those rewards to be able to, to meet your goals. Now, you know I can't leave you without showing the power of using credit cards. So I asked Scott for an example of how he first started using his travel rewards. What I did personally two years ago when I began to get a little bit more into travel rewards is I opened up two Southwest credit cards first. And I hit the minimums on them, which I think one was a $3,000 spend within the first three months, and the other was a $5,000 spend in the first three months. I did not buy stuff I wasn't going to buy anyway. This was just spend that I was going to spend in the ordinary course. And because I hit those minimums, I got a certain amount of miles. I believe it was 110,000 Southwest miles. And that enabled me to get, what one, 110,000 Southwest miles, which is like what, four or five round-trip flights pretty much anywhere in the U.S. and in, in the economy section, really, because there's all the economy section, but in the, the regular want-to-get-away class, right? And then it also got me the companion pass, and the companion pass was very valuable for me because that enabled me to bring, bring my fiancé for free, buy one, get one, on all of these trips, not just those trips that I buy with points, but with every trip. This was thousands of dollars in savings, and I think is a really good place to start in framing your discussion about how you're going to do travel rewards. But it gets really nuanced from here. And that's why I think you should listen to some experts for an hour if you're interested in doing more than just getting the cash back baseline thing. Imagine that. Being able to bring a companion with you on every flight that you took. That sounds like a spring break to never forget. But all right, all right, back to reality. Credit cards can be scary. On one hand, you can use the magic of cash back and travel rewards to basically get free things. But a couple missteps and you can end up in a mountain of debt that grows faster than your student loans. This episode definitely won't teach you everything that you need to know about credit cards, but I'm hoping it starts to point you in the right direction so that you can begin to set up a financial foundation for your future with good credit. 
I will be linking Lee's and Scott's podcasts and websites in the show notes, as well as some of their recommendations on other places that you can learn more about credit cards. I wish I didn't have to be the one teaching you personal finances, but we all know that college won't give you these cheat codes.